0: In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Oh don't be shy. Birds used to be dinosaurs. Don't tell Nessie. Come on, you can shake it. Yeah. Everything is subjective except for the sentence. Anything goes in paratopia. (laughs) And welcome. Hey, dude, what's up?
1: Hey. How you doing?
0: I'm alright. How's your week going?
1: Alright, pretty good. Yeah. I'm a little depressed. What are you depressed about? Well,
0: I mean, all the stuff that's happened, all the drama on our message board.
1: Mm.
0: I don't know if you were... It didn't seem like you were really paying attention to it.
1: Probably but, not. Um,
0: but if you go to... uh our board on Peritopia.net. if you click on the message board. And you go into what else is on the dial um, under the talk about the show section. You'll see what I mean. There's this thread. And people were talking about it for quite a bit, for a lot of the week, and I don't even know if we should even be bringing it up. You know, it's like... It's just sort of a dead and gone thing, maybe we should just leave it alone. But it's just been bothering me, and the thread is... Come chat with Prophet Yahweh, Jericho moderating. I did this um, this chat at another website at uh, MabusIncarnate.com dot com mm-hmm. with that uh, Prophet Yahweh guy.
1: Uh, who, why 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 would you do that?
0: Well, I thought it would be like you know easy, you know, like picking the wings off of flies or something. I <laughs> I don't know. I had nothing else to do that <laughs> night. I guess I don't know, but. Uh, Oh. But he didn't. He 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 smelled me a mile away. He didn't even want to talk to me. Really? Uh, but and yeah, and he didn't want to talk to anyone in the room. He just proselytized from the Bible. And then I left. And then I uh, Lily on our forum says that uh, racists came in and started saying racist things. Mm. And so it became a big debacle. So I'm not even in any way glad to have my name associated with with that little chat. Ugh. So, yeah, it's been a rough
1: week. Well, <laughs> Yahweh, huh? Yahweh. Way. way. Hmm.
0: What did you? Uh, what about you? What have you
1: been up to? I uh, went to the dentist.
0: The dentist? Yeah. Here on Paratopia, how is that dental plan? Is it, uh, yeah, is it, it more it... or less expensive
1: than the mainland? Well... I I wasn't swelled up before I went to the dentist. Now I am. So. There you I'm swelled up. you mean now. your
0: your mouth, your
2: teeth.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh so I can't say my s's or my th's right yet. So. Ew. Um. Mm, Sorry to well, hear. Oh, well, you know. Everybody's got a story this week. That's true. So. Um, so who we got tonight?
0: Uh, let's see. Greg Bishop. Who is fresh off the Dulce or Dulce? We'll get to the bottom of that pronunciation uh, conference from uh, that that Norio Hayakawa was speaking about last week. Mm. Wake up! Uh Wake up! The interview, the Norio interview (laughs) is over. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and Greg spoke at that uh, that conference, Mm. so we'll get to hear all about. The excitement of that conference and much, much more. I, I hope. Mm-hmm. Jeff, no, wake up, Uh-oh. Jeff. It's a whole other week. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, no. Let, I mean, Greg he spoke at the conference. That doesn't mean Greg is Norio.
1: Well, that's true. <laughs> Did you say what?
0: No, Jeff. Jeff. Ah, uh, that bit never gets old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I. Greg Bishop is a, is a, a, a is very good. So I'm, I'm sure that. Uh, sure he'll have lots of interesting things to talk about but first this
0: <laughs> what and wh- what's this going to be
1: um uh, i i, I <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't just say but first this and not have a this
1: <laughs> well i was hoping we could talk a little bit about uh the network and all that, but...
0: no, uh, oh, the network. Oh, you do have a this.
1: Go on. We have been picked up, the show has been picked up, by Drew Montaldo over at the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. So we are now broadcasting to uh, uh, a much larger audience, which is great, and Joe is going to be throwing us on to... Um, well, the, the U.S. cities that they broadcast to every day is, is a staggering amount of places, which is great. Uh, but we're also going to be on AM FM radio in Louisiana, somewhereabouts, which we'll give more information on later as we, we get figured out. But if you, as we figure it out, yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out, you know, uh, but if you go to, uh, ufoparanormalradio.com, that'll take you to the page and on there you'll see the Paratopia banner. So, uh, uh, amongst, uh, a lot of other shows that they run on there, namely, you know, uh, Alive from Roswell and Eye of the Sky and, uh. Yeah, you know, through the keyhole, and UFO uh, Rob cover. Simone? Is Rob is Rob Simone on there? Rob Simone! Yes!
0: We are neighbors yeah. with Rob Simone! <laughs>
1: Woo! <laughs> the, the Kevin Smith Show, and Benal and uh, so, um, so. yeah, it's great. Um, and uh, I should mention, uh, uh, Joe is the, uh, the head of ICAR, which is the International Community for Alien Research, and that is at www.icar1.com. And I'm sure Joe will appreciate that little plug for that as well. So, anyway, yeah, we're uh, we're moving up in the world. All right. <laughs> so, some poor sap in uh, in one of those southern states is going to be hearing us on the radio. So
0: get uh, your beads ready.
1: <laughs> so, uh, hi listener down there. No, uh, hello to Louisiana, and uh, wow, we're we're glad that you're here. So uh, glad you're listening, and uh, hope we can provide you some. Some real good stuff. We're barring so. that. We're <laughs> barring show. that. <laughs> so yeah. So there you have it. Just wanted to mention that.
0: Ah well, that that makes me feel better about my week. It's like That's you you've cool. just given the yin to my yang or
1: yep. vice versa. I don't know how you that works. Keep really your good. yin away from my yang.
0: Huh? Yeah, I'll try.
1: Pew, <clears throat> Commercial.
0: <sighs> are we are we done doing um? uh stale bits should we should we move on with the show or or do we have more humor left in us
1: i just said boo commercial
0: oh i'm sorry
1: (laughs) (laughs) greetings you are about to enter the new sphere a round table stream of consciousness podcast on subjects related to and inspired by the paranormal, metaphysics, and science. Join us for our broadcasts or visit our website at www.bluerspherepodcast.com where you can download past episodes and join in our discussion forums. We will break your mind.
0: Please welcome to the podcast the one, the only. By the way, that was my uh, William Shatner, the one, the only, Greg Bishop. Greg, you are fresh off the dulce, as I've always pronounced it, but but uh, I've heard it pronounced dulce. So correct me there.
2: Well, it's actually in Spanish, it's dulce, but in uh, for Americans, it's dulce. But yeah, everybody will know what you're talking about if you use either one of those two pronunciations. All right, the dulce.
0: I'll use the French uh, conference on Sunday. It was the first ever. Uh, we had Norio Hayakawa on last week, and um, you know he sort of gave us the setup. How did it execute? Did it go well? What was the turnout? All of that.
2: It went really well. In fact, it went better than I think uh, Norio thought it would in the fir- before he even started. Because when it started, uh, he was going to have it in in the bar at the hotel, which held I don't know like thirty people. So that was filled to overflowing before the first guy started speaking. I'm glad I didn't go first because um, a bunch of people came later and the fire department came and said, there's too many people in here, we're going to have to shut you down unless you get it down to the right amount of people. And then I said, well, let's just open the door so people can sit outside the door and listen, which I came back after doing something to my speech, I walked back and they wouldn't let me in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Crap. (laughs) <laughs> and then they shut the door, and wow. I couldn't even hear what the first guy was saying. Who was Ed Gomez? Who was one of the ranchers? Who was actually basically put out put out of business because of all the cattle deaths on their ranch.
0: You know, I mentioned something about the cattle deaths, and maybe you or could follow up on this or know somebody who has already. Um, in terms of the cattle mutilations being some sort of government thing. Um, is there anything in the insurance policy that would be beneficial to the uh, cattle ranchers for those cows to be returned so that maybe that's one of the reasons that they do return the carcasses
2: i've never even thought of that i i it's huh. i don't know how they're insured i mean i don't know if they're insured they're probably insured against like a normal death or a uh, death from a, you know, predators or disease or something like that, but if they can't explain the death, then maybe they're not covered, I don't know. But, um I, I didn't get to finish what happened uh, at the conference. The, um, one of the, uh, the Hickory Apache um, people, actually a few of them, but I think mainly Hoyt Velarde, who's, uh, used to be a, uh, police officer and I think public safety officer with the tribe, in the eighties and nineties he called around and we got a bigger venue which held like over a hundred people, which was right across the street. so we moved over there, and all the rest of the presentations took place there so it, it turned out really well um the reason there were oh, wow. he thought there were going to be like fifteen twenty people there that's what I thought too and it turned as it turned out there were like probably around a hundred, maybe a little over
0: ah well, peritopia did just work then yeah thank Perotopia. you <laughs> <laughs> uh job well done us um. So great, and so he had kind of told us that that um, you know his take is that it's probably not a real you know alien government facility. He's more of a Jacques Vallee kind of guy than a you know ETH kind of guy, and so this was his way of indoctrinating those who only know about the ETH, sort of tricking them to come and hear uh, other sides of of that type of thing. So did did you find that that? sort of went well yeah i mean because i know that you're also of that cut of that same sort of cloth where you think that there's a larger picture where where all sorts of paranormal stuff are interrelated did that message play to the hundred or so people that were there
2: um i didn't use it because i wasn't really there to talk about that there was another guy there who was talking about that but he he used like um occult symbols and shapes of buildings around dulcie to deliver that message which i thought was kind of weird and it, i didn't agree with it at all but um the the funny thing about norio putting that in there is that that uh keel and valet i don't think they've ever discussed uh dulcie or anything associated with it but he used their names saying that they that's what they thought was going on over there it was just a kind of an interdimensional door or something which i i kind of think there's that stuff's going on there too because um I didn't know it, but there's like there's a uh, Bigfoot sightings around there. that have been going on there for years. Huh. Hmm. Actually, went to the ranch of uh, one of the Apache tribal members, and um, he described to us where he'd seen Bigfoot. He was like, we stood on the spots, and he pointed and told us what it did. And and he's not the only one. Huh. So either you know,
0: did he describe animalistic characteristics or mystical? Characteristics?
2: No, just as an animal. I mean, it just looks like a big, you know, big hairy looking person with with uh... hair all over his face and his body
0: hmm. and what was your so your your thing was more on uh... bill moore
2: no i didn't even mention bill either because it just it, what i did was basically my um... uh... project beta talk but i added and subtracted um... to kind of favor the theme of the conference which was what about this underground base thing and uh... the lecture was mostly uh... how the room was started who started them who they affected and how they continue to this day. because um, a lot of people didn't don't ever really address that. They just say, well, you know, this is there's this underground base thing here online and and who's that guy's name? Branton or Jason Bishop or whoever puts up these things, no relation. Um, hmm. puts up all these things about where the you know where the bases and what's in it and what happened there. And but there's nothing really to back it up except that it's a good story. So what I wanted to do was emphasize to the people there who had, didn't really know too much about it or just knew about the base stories where and how they started. However, at the end I freaked everybody out and said that I thought that instead of thinking there's absolutely no possibility there was any, ever any base there, I thought, I said, well based on some things people have told me in the last year or so, I think there's a possibility. Now, that doesn't mean I think there's a possibility there were aliens there and growing parts in vats and some kind of deal with humans at all. I just think maybe there possibly is or was something underground there. I mean, there most certainly are underground facilities and tunnels and all that. Just how extensive they are is, of course, still a rumor.
0: Do you find people gravitating more or less to those type of stories now than they did in the 80s and 90s?
2: I I think it's about the same. I mean, if if people, it's fine. I mean, it's this thing where you you put belief in front of everything else, and then you just go look for everything that supports your belief, whether it's you know aliens are here and taking over, and have agreement with the government to um, to whatever. And if you have that predisposition, you're going to look for things that support it and ignore things that don't. I try to look for things that, just interesting information, and if it, it tends to push against what I think is going on, I'll probably be more skeptical of it, but I'll still listen to it, which is why I started to change my mind about there being anything there.
0: What do you think is going on? What, now? Yeah. Well, no, just in general. I mean, what do you, what do you make, I mean, do you think that, that all of that is sort of by design,
2: yeah, the, uh, actually I think it's the design to get, to get the the craziest people saying the most ridiculous things so people don't pay any attention to it.
0: Well, by design, I mean by whatever this presence is or by design through disinformationists.
2: Which presence?
0: Uh well, the intelligence, whatever whatever word you want to use for it, alien, whatever, I don't know.
2: Are you talking about the underground bases or Are you talking about UFOs? No, I'm
0: talking in, I'm talking in general when when you have um I'm saying this, if you're saying that 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 people put their belief first and then they, they approach that.
2: Well, a lot of that, people that, do.
0: Right, but do you think the presence itself is, is fostering that type of uh, approach or do you think it's just human behavior?
2: Um, I don't think the, the – I'm not sure if the presence fosters it or not. I mean, I think if people are open to it and they have some kind of direct contact with something that's not human – that there may be some limited uh um what's the word uh effort to push people in a certain direction, but I think it's um it's kind of like you know something's there and you put your you put your belief system on it because you don't have anything else to hook it onto. Why not just hook on to what you already believe and what you think is possible and all that and you know we're we're told it's aliens from another planet who are here to mess with our DNA or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So that's you know that's what people assume um, most of the time. Even people with with direct contact, I think that um, probably ninety percent of what people perceive as aliens or whatever is is uh, is contributed by their mind and not whatever they've they've seen or contacted or whatever it is.
0: Mm-hmm. And knowing what you know, you, you know, you wrote you you mentioned Project Beta, and for those who don't know, I don't know if in case they. Fell off the face of the earth in the last 10 years or so. Uh, Project Beta is the book about uh, how Bill Moore, a ufologist, sort of uh, conspired with various people in the government uh, to drive a scientist, Paul Benowitz,
2: crazy. <laughs> Not exactly what it said in the book, but okay. Well, that's what I got out of it. <laughs> he was a willing participant in things that went further than he would have taken them himself, I think. I mean, well, I said, didn't this bother you? And he said, well, the thing is you get into it, and then it gets more and more complicated, and they start putting more and more pressure on you, and you don't realize what's going on until it's too late sometimes.
1: Uh.
2: Well, that's what he said. Of course, a lot of people are going to say, he knew what exactly was going on the whole time, and he's just lying. But, you know, he hasn't lied to me yet, and I've never caught him in anything that was a lie, so I tend to trust him. Although I haven't talked to him in over a
0: year now. Sure, but the the point is going to be that, that you know, you're somebody who knows uh, at least some of where these stories come from, and it's it's a more mundane answer than, than people want. So when they hear that, when they hear you give those speeches, do they roll their eyes? Do they not believe you? Do they mostly believe you? How does that...
2: Well, I don't know. Most, You know, I, I can't tell why I'm up there. I'm just kind of scanning the audience and... Most people just kind of sit there passively looking at me. In fact, if somebody does jump up and say wrong, or I see them looking at the floor and shaking their heads and saying things under their breath, I will stop and say, "You got a problem with what I'm saying?"
1: <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You
2: no, know, I, 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 if you know, I, I and you know, nine times out of ten, you know, it's only happened a few times, but most of the time they go, "Oh, nope." <laughs> and they, they stop making any noise or shifting in their seat or whatever or I'll just you know either that or just, is something I'm saying unclear to you and I'll stop in, during the talk mo- a lot of times and say are you following this as a clear to you so far nobody says anything I go
1: on mm-hmm. one of the things that, that I noticed that Norio said uh, when we had him on was that uh, you know Benowitz kind of he, he felt Benowitz was a lot smarter than what he was given credit for and in all of that, that he actually was a lot more hip to what was going on than, than maybe was suggested? I mean, how do you think of it that way? I mean, did you get that at all from him, that maybe he was kind of, like you said, playing along or, or a willing participant to that? You don't get that at all from him?
2: Not from what I heard, no. What I got from it was that he had a single, single-minded uh, idea about what was going on, and when he made a decision... About what he thought was going on, he stuck with it no matter what anybody told him to the contrary. Mm. And and a few people tried to tell him that, you know, not to be so, you know, to be a little bit more circumspect, including Bill Moore. Mm. Um, Doty even said that he told him that, but, I, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. Right. They just said, you know, why don't you slow down? And he, he just wouldn't. He was, see, that's not to say he was crazy or anything like that. He was just real intelligent, but very focused and obsessed. Right. That, that's that's the impression I get from all the people I talk to, including people that have nothing to do with you know the government or anything like that. Right. Um, researchers like Tom Adams and and uh, other people connected to the story, like Gabe Valdez or um, Krista Tilton, who I talk to.
1: Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to like belabor the point of the underground base thing because I mean I've got a lot of uh, other questions for you that I think uh, uh, people are waiting for, but. Oh, you can belabor it. What, what, <laughs> what has um, what has made you kind of think recently that there could be some kind of base there? I mean, uh, all alien crap aside. Uh, I mean, it's it. Like I said to Norio, I said it seems to me that all these horror stories surrounding, you know, Dulce and and uh, you know the what is it, Hell's hallway or whatever the hell it is. Um, yeah. It seems like other levels to, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that uh, horror story stuff. It seems like that's almost concocted to keep people away from there, and that could be. Well, like, I cool think. To it, me. Yeah, I think if there is something
2: there, was it was one of those hiding in plain sight things. Tell mm-hmm. somebody exactly where it is. Um, get the most incredible, insane stories connected with it. So anybody that wholeheartedly believes in it and starts trying to spread that word is not listened to, it, any, listened to by anybody who's. Who anybody you know? The greater part of the society cares about. Right. All right. Yeah. Um, well, the reason I think there there might be something there is, I, I met this guy totally by chance. No, you know, not totally by chance. He's uh, he, I met him through the flying community that I uh, ultralights that I'm into. Oh,
1: Okay.
2: And. um just in the course of conversation, I told him I've written the book, and he and he said, "Well, there there is a facility there, there or there was." And I said, "How do you know?" And he said, "Because I worked in it." Oh. I, in it? And he said, "I said in it." He goes, "No, no, but I, I, I had access because of my work to the tunnel system, and I and people said that there was some kind of nexus or terminus there near in in northwestern New Mexico." Wow. And I, you know what? I don't know the guys. Uh, background. I don't know his. I don't know how to check his credentials right at this moment. Right. But you know, why the hell would he tell me something like that?
1: Yeah, exactly. Just out of happenstance like that. That's a little too weird to dismiss like offhandedly. Uh,
2: yeah. And uh, then there's other people. You know, uh, law enforcement people that used to work in the area. More than one. And people that live around there that all told, you know, with the exception of one guy, said that they'd they actually seen some hole in the ground with air coming out of it. I said, okay. Oh. And, yeah. uh, you know, are they telling me that to make me believe it's all say, telling weird stories? I don't think so. Yeah. So, like I said, I have to be open to the possibility that there was something there. Now, I don't think that equals, you know, aliens and Firefight hmm. underground and uh, <laughs> hell's uh, what is that called? Hell hallway or whatever. <laughs> <the> hallway. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think it equals any of that. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that there's there's uh, some stuff that should be followed up on. And um, a couple of local people there said, if you if we go up on the mace and look, you want to come? And I said, hell yes, I'd like hmm. to find out for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. As opposed to people that go on the net and say there's definitely nothing there, or you know there's you know there is something there. You people are all and insane. And they've never gone anywhere near it.
1: Yeah. So yeah. you know why should I listen to them? Oh, right, exactly. Well, I mean, you were you were talking about um, earlier about people who've even been in contact with whatever this presence is. Don't really kind of attribute more to what they see and experience than what the phenomena is actually even giving them. I mean, can you can you just give me your overall take on what you think um, that's all about or or as far as you've gotten with it.
2: Could you repeat that, the, the first part of it?
1: Like, what You, were do you sp- mean
2: what, how much do I think comes from people's heads and how much do I think comes
1: from outside them with
2: regards to the UFO subject?
1: Well, and how they perceive it based on what they're experiencing. I mean, how, how much of it is interpretation from the individual. Of course, it's all perceptive, but you yeah. know, just how subjective do you feel that it is? I I think it's
2: kind of on a case-by-case basis, but um, I think most of the time, just from talking to people, from reading, from talking to other researchers, witnesses, all that, and this is just my opinion and it's purely subjective, Mm -hmm. is that there is a space in our mind where, uh, where when something strange happens, your mind is furiously trying to put it in a, in a drawer or a box. Uh-huh. Because you've got to have, you know, because of our survival instinct, we got to know what we're dealing with before we do what we're going to, you know, react however we're going to react. Right. And uh, anything, you know, from lights on the road at night to discs flying around in the day to even abduction type things, I think that um, people's minds are drawing from their experience, from the culture, from what they've read, and maybe even on some kind of a subconscious, you know, what's it called? Collective unconscious, zeitgeist-type level Mm -hmm. to uh, make sense of the experience. And so, you know, already there, you've got, I don't know how many layers of, of interpretation in between you and what that raw experience was. The remote viewers talked about the same thing. It's called analytical overlay. Hmm. which they tried to get out of the way so that they wouldn't be putting their own interpretation on whatever information was coming in because that, you know, immediately screws up the whole message. I mean, it it may be that um, we've made up a complete uh, story about whatever this non-human thing is that we're comfortable with. I I mean, people say, no, it's scary, it's not comforting, but what I mean is, that we've been able to create a box for it that our minds can use, whether consciously, subconsciously, collectively, unconsciously, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And How that's you as feel? That... <laughs> as I can put it, with my limited vocabulary skills, and you know, if you talk to Mac Tony's or Bruce, what's his name, do 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 or do Doonzing, they'll, Yeah, they'll, they, they say exactly the same thing in a, in a far more intricate and articulate way. And I, I I completely agree with uh, what they say about it, too. Uh, you know, Maxbook Crypto-Terrestrials that will be out sometime in the next year or so mm-hmm. will blow everybody away. I think it's, like, keel to the next generation.
1: Hmm. Um, what do you think? How do you think that whole thing of it being subjective per on a case-by-case basis, do you think that that goes as well for shared experiences between two or more people? I mean, is that uh, – I had a, I had a guy that I knew one time who – had had some pretty significant experiences and um, one of the things he told me very very early on many years ago was that you could put your average quote unquote alien on a stage in front of 100 people and 50 people would see him and 50 of well, them would not. Um, I mean have you ever come across in a shared experience two people questioned separately who give completely different accounts but still something bizarre occurred?
2: Well, I can't cite the the day or the people or anything like that, but there was a case in Kentucky in the '70s where um, two people were in a car and one people are going to say, "Where'd you get that from?" But two people were in a car and one of one of them said that there was a UFO. It stopped, aliens got out, and they had some kind of encounter. And the other one said, "No, it wasn't. There was just a school bus full of kids that went by."
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and
2: of course there are shared experiences too, where people report virtually the same thing. I mean, look at Betty and Barney Hill.
1: Right.
2: But um, you know that, that the <laughs> the people are generally from the same culture and they know each other, and you know there may be some sort of communication going on there. Bill Hicks, when he talked about this, he said, "I went on an alien ship and all that." You think he's joking? You know that 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 um, that routine I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on an alien ship and all that. That I, I talked to one of the friends that was with him when that happened, and he said that we started saying the same. They were on a mushroom trip, but they and they weren't together. They were in separate places when this happened, but they both had the same experience. Mm. They, they later they were they were saying, "Did you see this and this and you know? Did you go here and did you see these things?" And they both had the same experience when. They swore that they weren't next to each other when it happened, but later they found out that they had the exact same experience. Does that mean they were visited by a uFO and went on a tr- ship with aliens i don't know huh. it means it's a lot more complicated than people would, would, would generally think it is i, I, I oh, yeah I mean, if you really start looking into it, you realize that uh, our perceptions and expectations and uh and unexplored areas of of uh, of uh, I guess you call uh, mental experience or perception are really heavily connected with with something that is uh, as yet kind of unknown uh, you know, it's, uh, or put in a, in a in the uh, aliens from another planet
1: box so you definitely believe it's an external thing and not all internal as some would suggest i
2: believe it I believe it's both, and I believe it ranges anywhere from totally made up by the person to you know uh... to an outside force which affects them in ways they can't uh... reconcile with normal reality Hmm. and i I do think there is an outside force that interacts with humans from from time to time and i mean it's going been going on for thousands of years and just because some quote-unquote primitive culture had this you know same sort of experience doesn't mean it's uh... it's false or made up or imagined or whatever i mean the the language we have in, in, uh right now to describe these things doesn't allow us in a lot of ways to uh, look at the experience in an objective way. The, the language automatically is subjective.
1: Hmm. Well, you mentioned the uh, the mushroom trips, so I'm I'm going to mention it. Um,
0: uh, or or <laughs> um, go ahead, prepare to take a drink, everybody.
1: Yes, uh, we had. Uh, Dr. Terrence McKenna on some episodes ago. Who
2: Terence or uh, Dennis McKenna? Dennis. I'm
1: sorry, Dennis. Yeah. Um, Did you and, channel uh,
2: Terence McKenna? Oh my god! <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
1: I wish. Practically. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and uh, and he went over kind of like the whole uh, DMT thing and the the mushroom trips and uh, and all of that. I mean, do you think that that? Um, I mean, I see a lot of similarities in that whole experience that I'm that I'm picking up across you know, the alien visitation experience, if you want to call or whatever you want to call it, um, that seem to be really seriously connective tissues in there. Um, I mean, how much have you looked at that, and what is your whole take on that?
2: Well, people that have heard me do interviews before, read UFO Mystic, will know what I'm going to say. And have you read um, DMT, The Spirit Molecule, by Rick Strassman?
1: Yeah, part of it. Mm -hmm.
2: Um. You should read the whole thing because it's probably one of the most important UFO books written in the last 20 years, and it has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with
1: UFOs. (laughs)
2: Um, What happened, if people don't know, is that uh, uh, Dr. Richard Strassman in the the early 90s got approval from the DEA to do experiments on uh, willing test subjects by injecting them with dimethyltryptamine, which is a really powerful psychedelic um, compound. Uh they they were injected um in the in like in their arms or in their butts or something. Anyway, however you inject
1: <laughs> right.
2: this stuff to make it to get it to spread, you know, not intravenously because then it was just it would just slam into them. But the thing was that as soon as the thing reached their brain, boom, they'd leave their body. And they were lying on a table in a hospital. But something like thirty percent or maybe more, maybe 40%, a significant percentage of them had experiences which were virtually indistinguishable from things that people said happened to them during abduction experiences, like meeting Mm -hmm. beings and being examined and um, um, being on a ship or something like that. And a lot of these people swore that they had never really thought about that, read really any of the literature, or had those kind of experiences before. And so Strauss was like, "Where is all this coming from? What's going on? Why are these people reporting this?" I'm a scientist, and he said, "I wanted to ignore it, but there was so much of it that I couldn't. You know, my training told me to ignore it, but I, I just couldn't because they were so similar, and so compelling, and 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 uh, there were so many of them. So what the hell's going on there? There's people lying in a in a in a hospital bed with a with a nurse next to them, and and maybe a doctor." Having an abduction experience because they get (laughs) injected with something. So I think it's a really important key to whatever this mystery is about with this with a with a extra human intelligence. And Mm. I think that's why shamans and people for hundreds and thousands of years have uh, decided that the way to contact uh, the spirits or ancestors or whatever was through use of you know psychoactive substances that they found. How did they find them in the first place, too? That's, well, that's another question. You know, like. Well, yeah, that? I mean,
1: yeah, um, Dennis, had, Dennis had mentioned that uh, something about the ayahuasca brew was yeah, um, a very specific- you know, desired an MAO inhibitor. And, uh, yeah. you know, he says, you know, how they found that. And I said, well, how the hell did they find it? How did they know to do that to make that work, um, you know, uh, in the gastrointestinal, uh, you know, yeah. way? And he said, well, they say that the plant told them. Yeah, they say that that the
2: plant told them that either, well, how did the plant tell them when they didn't have the plant affecting them? (laughs)
1: Exactly.
2: (laughs) Who knows? You know, and the thing is, it has to be cooked for a certain amount of time and all that to release the proper uh, 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 compounds. Like, you know, somebody's going to say, well, maybe it was a mistake. Well, maybe it was a mistake, but it sure sure is a, a pretty significant one. Yeah, um, I guess they could have come on it, but but the, you know it wasn't the, these things aren't food. You're not going to be eating these, these things. They taste terrible.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think one of the things that, uh, and I don't know if you've read uh, True Hallucinations by Terence McKenna. Uh, I
2: read, like you said, it's like okay. I read part of it. I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, I've actually talked to him and heard him lecture more than I've read his books. Kind of like William Burroughs. I've I've heard more of his. Speaking and talking that I have of actually reading his book.
1: Yeah, well, we're in the same boat there. Um, but uh, he mentions in in True Hallucinations of having the sighting um, Oh yeah, the Adamski um, craft. Of the Adamski craft. I mean, I, I, that to me is another humongous clue uh, to all this because I've actually come across cases in my own stuff that um, you know, I talked to a woman one time I saw upside down Starship Enterprise hanging over a field. I mean, what the hell is that all about? It's the same um the same kind of absurdity and self contradiction in some of these sightings that are almost um I almost get the sense that this whatever it is is trying to say, look, we're not what we what you think we are. And they're presenting something so absurd that you have to question, you know, the the preconceived notion of whatever your mind is telling you that it is. Yeah, um, I mean
2: was a person, the person the woman saw the upside down Star Trek the Enterprise because That's what her mind connected with at that point when she was when something weird came into her. You know that uh, I'm not saying that's an is, but it sounds highly probable.
0: Oh yeah. Well, let let me ask both of you, uh, since I'm the only non-ufologist here. When when people bring to you video that they're absolutely amazed by and you know swear up and down it's aliens and it's just some little light that's indecipherable on the screen. (laughs) Do they tell you that it is something other than what you're seeing? Are they certain that there's a craft there uh, other than just a little indecipherable light? Is, or, or are they just getting excited over nothing, period? <laughs> huh. <laughs> I well, for they have they me, that would be the
1: vast majority. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... it's. Um, it, I I think a lot of people try to attach you know like significance to these lights in the sky sightings and I've gotten to the point after this long that you know I'm pretty much when somebody says I've got a piece of footage I'd like you to look at my answer is how many windows does it have um, yeah because essentially lights in the sky are useless and I don't I mean unless it's something like what but
0: have they ever described something that has windows and then you look at it and it's just a dot.
1: No. In the sky. Uh no. I mean if if uh I mean usually someone's going to come forward they're going to come forward and say it's got windows and you can see them in this thing and I've I've had that a couple of times where people have tried to read a little bit more into something that may be a camera aberration more so than windows uh or shape for that matter. I mean, I've had people say I clearly saw a diamond shaped thing hanging there in the air when I know for a fact because I can prove it based on other footage that we've done you know recreations of that show that aperture, you know, um, uh, overexposed of of uh, you know, of the CCD in the camera. Basically, the aperture squeezing shut so that it makes this small diamond pattern. They'll swear they saw it, and I know damn well that that's not the case. Um, but you've got way more to 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 consider when you've got people bringing stuff to you. Is it faked? Is it you know? Is it wishful thinking, or is it something legitimate? And you know. For that, I mean, I think you get a lot more of uh, of the wishful thinking people than anything else. Um, so, I mean, that's usually what happens to me or, or what I see coming in a lot.
2: Yeah, what what, what your eye sees and what the camera records are, are completely different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the further away something gets. So, somebody could come and say, I saw this light and it was doing these things and it had rows of windows and things were in it. And then you look at it and it's like this blurry light moving around. It's
1: like, yeah. well,
2: I can't say. Anything about what you saw, but this pr- doesn't. This isn't going to convince anyone. Sorry. And all the right. ones that look too good, you know, are basically you, you. You know, in the last ten years or so, you start to think, well, if it's too good, then it's uh, then it's fake. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. How broad do you go um, in terms of saying it, this intelligence or whatever this thing is? When we're talking about this thing, what are there parameters, or is it just every everything from Loch Ness monster to Bigfoot to UFOs? Is included
2: well I, I, you, I you know you got to take things on kind of a case-by-case thing that there's different characteristics that come up with different lake monsters don't seem to really care whether people are around or anything they just kind of appear and go away um, Bigfoots, on the other hand sometimes there is some kind of interaction and there is some kind of you know really rudimentary communication even if it's just oh my god I'm getting out of here and they run um, it, it's um, the, the weird thing is that uh, some of these things, like Bigfoot and, and paranormal, other paranormal things like poltergeist activity and uh, people, you know, people developing ESP or whatever, happen during UFO um, uh, incidents or, or more like in, UFO flaps, as they're called, like the like the Mothman thing, which you know, not many people know that there are a lot of UFO sightings and a lot of people had psychic experiences, and that was described in, in Keel's book. Um, there's a really great case from, that Stan Gordon investigated in Pennsylvania in 1967, I think, where these people saw something floating over the trees, um, and then they saw these two Bigfoot-like things running along a fence. Um, and then they, they, they tried to shoot at them, and it didn't even hit them, and the things, I guess, ran away or something like that. And then uh, one of the witnesses, when they came to interview him later, started yelling and saying, that you know, like within an hour or two, started yelling and saying that they were right there and they were right across the field. Nobody could see anything. And then he huh. fell on the ground and started writhing around and saying the end of the world was coming and all that. And then after that, you know, he, his girlfriend left him and he lost his job. And, you know, it's, there's these strange effects that just have the, it's kind of a ripple effect. So, yeah, in some ways, some of the things are connected, and I think there's probably a nexus of weirdness that people get too near and they get affected or they see things um, that other people might not.
1: Huh. I hear shades of George Hansen there, Jeremy.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's a, his, his trickster in the paranormal. I'm still plowing through that, and I, I yeah. think that. It's a great book, but you have to really be patient and, and, uh, and read everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big... Um, uh, I when I was talking to him, and he were he was going over, um, you know, a lot of the the similarities in, uh, you know, in in the, the change of routine or anything that breaks routine or a change of life type, you know, situations that seem to bring on paranormal events of one kind or another. Uh, I know at, at least what I've experienced in this. I picked out more than a few that were ac- absolutely that. Um, yeah, you so break the I, I mean, symmetry
2: of thought and logic and and mm-hmm. uh, activity and all that, and sometimes that reveals things. That's why occultists and shamans and all that they they fast or they they right. do things habitually you know, to c- completely break their 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 uh, routine and habits.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, but but for me, I I think some people read so much into that trickster thing. I mean, how do you feel about? you know, the notion that something like, you know, the Meyer case has something to do with that same trickster type of thing. Um, I mean, I, I think the only thing paranormal about that case is that people are still believing in it to a certain point. Um, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, when you start figuring in hoaxers, I, I know there's always going to be, you know, a quote unquote market for that in this field, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, when you start figuring that, I mean, do you figure hoaxing and all that kind of stuff into that same trickster line of thought that uh, it's to be expected in a way or, or not?
2: Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, at some level, I think people that are hoaxing are, are, are buying into or entering subconsciously or, or not the trickster archetype. The other thing that springs to mind is the stories about people who make crop circles in England, and there's plenty of people that do it, mm-hmm. um, but I've talked to a couple of them and, uh, you know, sort of off the record, they, and, and it's been exposed in some place. I wrote a column about it on UFO Mystic that uh, weird uh, weird things will start appearing and happening while they're hoaxing the circles, Huh? like lights will start floating over the field, or they'll be part of a circle that they didn't even do That's that, that's there the next day, or whatever. It's like they're, they're breaking symmetry and then something's noticing it. Really? Yeah. Huh. So it's like I mean, they're that's... out there doing ritual magic or something calling down yeah, yeah, whatever it is yeah. without, even, without even trying
1: to. Huh. I think I have to go get a board and some rope. Yeah. Uh, I, mean,
2: <laughs> I asked if I ever went to England. I said, can I come out and make a circle with you? Like, yeah, yeah. I said, okay. I'm gonna, I want them to make the the logo for my for excluded middle. I, I specifically had it <laughs> shaped like a crop circle when they when they, I was nice. having an artist do it for me. It's like that's it, that's the one. It'd be really <laughs> easy to make a crop circle of the excluded middle logo.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that'd be pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I've seen a lot of this stuff for a long while, and I've always kind of um, and 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 over the years have probably been beat down for saying it, but you know that that ufology and and in general like a lot of the ufo stuff is really a lot more complex and deep than little green men from another planet and uh you know little gray doctors and whatnot it's it that it has more to do with perception and uh uh and our notion of what reality is and the fact that you know we live in the three pound universe or two pound universe in our skull um Mm -hmm. but uh you know yeah it's uh um, I well, mean, it's we live really...
2: in a yeah an amorphous universe with a with a with an already made mold in our skull to stuff it into.
1: R- right, yeah. Um, but it, I, I do believe, like you, that it's definitely something external. Um, and you know, I mean, ultimately, the question is what and, and what are we supposed to be getting out of it? Um, uh, do you think that there's any underlying purpose to all this, or is it simple human folly that is just reacting? You know, to some stimulus that we don't even begin to understand.
2: Well, I don't know. That, w- that would be pinning me down to a meaning behind the UFO thing. And I don't know if there's a meaning behind it. What I think it is, it, it, the, I think it can be used as a tool. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but it can be used as a tool to to open people up to different possibilities. Um, UFOs and psychedelics and, and spiritual pursuits and meditation and, you know ghost hunting and all that stuff, as long as you keep a kind of an, even people that are involved in those subjects, they they tend to have a lot more open, you know, sometimes it's so open that, you know, it falls out, but they tend to have a more open mind towards strange things than people that aren't involved in it. And that's why I said I'd I'd much rather go to a UFO conference than a skeptics conference because everybody at the UFO conference, even though they're standing there with their mouths open, uh, a lot of them are smiling. At a skeptic conference, people are smiling, but the, the smile is a sneer. Yeah. And yeah. that's just no fun, you know. And those people aren't skeptics anyway. They're fundamentalist skeptics.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely. A, difference.
2: a skeptical person weighs evidence before making a decision. Um and maybe never does make a decision. And a, and a mm-hmm. fundamentalist skeptic has already made up their mind before they before before they've start sort of looking at something. And there's 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 people on both sides of the issue that are like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are you super skeptical when it comes to, uh, military people now or anyone who comes forward, like a Dan Burrish or, a, you know, even a Bob Lazar, somebody who says, I was there, I worked on these things after, uh, knowing Bill Moore and knowing how that whole aspect of it worked at that time? Do you, do you give any of these guys any credence or, uh, do you just?
2: Well, you know, you know what? I'll be totally honest with this answer. I am automatically suspicious and start thinking of, how this has been designed by somebody to make the people who are listening to them think in a certain way. I don't automatically assume that they're totally lying or they're telling the truth. I have this idea and I admit it's because of my bias with, with, uh, with the military thing and and with Bill and all this, which I was interested in it before I met Bill actually a little bit. He just kind of made it more, threw it more into sharp focus that um I've seen so many places where where um, perception has been shaped for, end rather than the truth about UFOs, whatever that is, that yeah, when there's a whistleblower, so-called, that a lot of people have, you know, uh, place a lot of stock in, I, I kind of stand back and say, you know, what is the person, you know, what is the tr- person trying to get us to believe, mm-hmm. and how does that hold up, and is there any way to check on it? You know, when you talk about Dan Burrish, I mean, the stuff sounds incredible. How the hell do you check up on it? How do you check up on a Bob Lazar? Uh, how do you check up on Thomas Costello and Phil Schneider and all the Dulcie people? But there's no real way to check up on it until somebody that holds that secret decides to reveal to us what's going on, and I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Well, this uh, is
0: why things like even, you know, of course, Greer, I think it's pretty clear to everyone at this point that Greer is, is just complete garbage, but... There at least was a point when when he, uh, you know, some people bought what he was doing and thought what he was doing was great, and having that giant press conference with all the military people, but, you know, of course he included people who have shady backgrounds or non-checkable backgrounds, and it seems like that does more of a disservice than anything to this thing, and it seems like a no-brainer that you would not include those people. Why do you think these people keep getting a stage to, to speak on from others who do want some sort of disclosure, or at least they claim they do, they want people to take this seriously in the mainstream media.
2: I think it's because there's always an audience for people that want that are going to say things that they want to hear. Um, you know, you, what is that subgenius thing? You'll pay to know what you really think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I think that's going on with a lot of these people. And then it overshadows people who I I think have a little bit or a little bit more circumspect genuinely confused as to what happened to them and why the government won't, you know, their former employer won't tell them what happened or explain it, Um, I recently went and met with Robert Salas, who I wrote about. He's the guy at the the 1967 Malmstrom uh, missile base, uh, missile shutdown incident. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm fairly certain he was in the Air Force. I'm fairly certain he worked at a Minuteman missile site. And I'm fairly certain something weird happened to him, wherein a bunch of missiles were shut down. Um, or stopped working. It's like, well, and the military has admitted that these missiles all shut down, like six or eight of them, no, more, Well, like almost 20 of them in two different spots at the same time. While up above ground, where, where Solace wasn't, uh, the, the guards said there was a huge glowing orange thing hanging over the missile site right when the missile shut down. So, you know, what, what do you make of that? Um, the, the, what I make of it is something's weird. something weird happened Somebody really doesn't want to tell us what happened, and the people that were there will never find out because nobody will explain it to them. Um, mm-hmm. that, that I think those kind of things are a lot more important than than somebody coming out and saying that that uh, they were in Area 51 and they saw a hum, you know a, a, a joint human alien engineered craft or whatever. Uh, it, it just it, it just seems that there's more fruit in that area than something you can't check out at all. Whereas the uh, missile shutdown thing, there already are already some documents released that it had been ignorant that it happened while completely downplaying or leaving out the UFO aspect.
0: After you released Project Beta, did more or less or the same amount of uh, those type of whistleblower characters come up to you and want to tell you their story?
2: I never had anybody whistleblowers come up to me and wanted to tell me their story.
0: Oh, man, you should try it sometime. It's great.
2: No, I I, I I went and see, I went and seeked out people that were involved with the story and who hadn't really talked about it to talk to me about it um, mm-hmm. i don't know if I want to be involved with whistleblower testimony it's just it's just you know it's such a big it's such a big project, and other people are doing a much better job at it than I would um, and there's other things I want to write about too besides UFOs and aliens and all that so you know I keep my mind open to those too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah I just I just it boggles my mind that the the very fundamental questions just continue to get overlooked you know just like you said you know if it's if you can't check out anything they're saying then what good is that or if they're not dead by now or in a mental institution at the hands of you know assassins and and mental or or physical assassins yeah. from the government yeah. then how, how, you know how is their story true it can't possibly be true they'd be dead i mean
2: yeah that's that's the thing that's the other thing you're exactly right if this is such a big secret and so horrible why are we hearing it Mm -hmm. why did bob lazar speak about all that he said oh i got shot at and people tried to kill me like there are a lot better ways to get people to shut up than trying to kill them (laughs) and the other thing is if somebody tried to kill him i don't think he's any spy they could have just killed him and made it look like he killed himself no no problem So you know, the the guy is talking about that for, and they're letting him talk for a reason. Either that, or it's just not doing any harm. So why bother, You know, why worry about it? You know, yeah, more and then, like he's and, a and,
1: controlled and, leak. You know.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then somebody like uh, what's it? The people keep saying this guy Phil Schneider, who used to go around in the '90s speaking about the Dulce Basin, having worked there, and then it turns out he said uh, he supposedly he said I will be murdered for this, and then he actually was murdered. And so people say, well, then, you know, most people will logically say, well, then, he was speaking about the underground base and he was murdered, so that must mean there's an underground base. But I, That doesn't follow to me. It follows if you don't think about it too much. Mm. But it, it, it's I think it's wrong to make an assumption that just because somebody was saying something and they're murdered and said they were going to be murdered, does that mean what they were saying was true or was there another reason for it? Or did they kill themselves or... What? I don't know. There's so many... Or was options. it completely unrelated? Yeah. Yeah. Did they kill themselves and then somebody came and put surgical tuber around their neck? Or did they poison the person and then came back later and did it to make it look like they're... You know, the, the, uh, it's the, the simplest... Everybody's like, you know, Occam's razor and the simplest answer. That's, that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. No, the, no answer worth anything is simple, especially when you're dealing with, with uh, humans and, and, and all their, their uh, motivations.
0: Hmm. You're not going to be invited to speak to the, at the X conference with that kind of attitude.
2: <laughs> Probably not. Even though last time I I, I saw uh, Steve Bassett, he goes, "We really got to get you to the X conference." I wouldn't <laughs> mind. I would love to go and speak at the X conference. It's oh, weird because he's done everything he can thing.
0: to keep me off the stage. It's <laughs> shocking to me.
2: I don't oh, agree no. with him, but you know, to his credit, he knows I don't agree with him, and you know, we have a lot of diametrically opposed views. Yet he's still considering. Having me speak there, the same way with Norio Hayakawa. There's a lot of people that that were diametrically opposed to each other at the Dulcie conference, yet they were able to speak, and that's fine. I think that's that's great. The best kind of what I'd like to see is some. And I was trying to get one of these off the ground. Paul Kimball was uh, the best kind of show on the paranormal would be kind of like a, 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 a what's it face the Meet the Press or whatever, where you get a couple people who are reasonably and reasonably intelligent know what they're talking about and have done some research and are well spoken debating something and mm-hmm. you can listen to the best the best part of either or all sides of an argument and kind of start making up your mind that way not not by a documentary that tells you there's aliens here or there might be a base here or you know you know we report you decide it's like no you're not you're sh- you're, you're showing us what your view of things are is so that we can decide based on the information that you filtered to us.
1: Well, you know, Greg, there's a fundamental problem with uh, the meet-the-press scenario. You know what it is. Um, no one have... would watch it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. I mean, that, that, that you're right. That is the fundamental problem. I mean, you'd have to goose it up with something. I don't know. But sure. Be... The conspiracy zone, I like that. Uh, I worked on that show for two seasons, and basically, you know, and it was watered down and kind of stupid, silly, and Kevin Nealon made dumb jokes. But the thing is, they had they had people representing what they thought was the best side of each issue debating each other, and they, you know they almost never came to any kind of conclusion, and nobody won. Right. But it was a fun show, and you could hear what somebody who really believed in their side of the argument had, and had generally um, did a lot of research and thought about it, um, presenting their best case. Although I guess you can chop that all down because they had Ann Coulter on once, and she was a total idiot. <laughs> <laughs> this was, this was before she was Ann Coulter and everybody knew about her too. I, I saw, it was the Kennedy, oh, it was the RFK assassination show and, uh, Paul Creston was on and, uh, um, Gerald Posner was on. And, Anyway, the, uh, when they when they got around to, to to culture, she had listened to a couple different things. She goes, "Well, I just can't believe what's, uh this conspiracy thing." Just what she say? "I don't agree with you because I just can't believe it." That was her argument. <laughs> I didn't know who she yeah. was at the time. I was like, "What the hell kind of an argument?" I remember sitting in the in the control room where the cameras were, and I said, "What the hell kind of an argument is that?" And a couple people giggled.
1: <laughs> That's not good TV. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you, woman? Yeah.
0: What would you uh would you have a problem taking the stage at something like the X conference where the dude who invented the Metatron is uh, also speaking? <laughs> like do you have personal problems like that speaking with people who you know are crap?
2: I'm not speaking with them. I don't care. I mean if the person
0: Well no, but presented on the same stage as equally credible <laughs> as as this guy.
2: Who says that people that are conferences are all equally credible? I mean, they, I go to conferences. Uh, by of
0: the stage, I think, by nature of of everyone getting stage time for an hour uh, or two, uh, makes everyone equally plausible.
2: Really, I don't. I don't believe that. I, 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 my personal view, maybe it's just to make myself feel better or something. But my personal view, even before I started, you know, speaking at conferences, was that each person is being is presenting their case based on whatever merits they can come up with, and if you think they're full of shit, then they're full of shit and if you think they're interesting and they've done a good job then then they're interesting and they've done a good job it's not like, it's not like they're all up there participating in a in a, in a in a in a in a chorus line where they're all dancing together each person has their own show you know what i mean
0: yeah but if one person's show is 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 complete bunk and and i mean like you don't have to see the show to know it's bunk bunk yeah um and they're on and they're and they're getting the stage and people in the audience aren't who have <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, there's a reason this person is on the stage. I mean, that's the dynamic of having somebody on a stage with a spotlight who gets to speak and you pay to listen
2: well, to it. Well, I give an is audience an authority,
0: more, in quotes, on something.
2: I give people that are coming to the conference more credit than that, that they're going to take people on their own merits and not say, unless, you know, they've got to be a, a, a total skeptical asshole to think that, that that one person who seems to have a good argument is equal to another person that's full of crap just because they're on the same stage. Mm-hmm. Huh. Like I said, it's it's not a chorus line. It's 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 like a variety show. You
0: know. <laughs> well, maybe now, we should start looking at it that way. I'd, I'd feel a lot better about things. Yeah,
2: I mean,
1: I, well, I, Jeremy, I think I think what's poisoned you and I was to go to the X conference. That I think it was the first time we went, and you know, to watch like people like you know Dolan, who you know, while I, I might not agree with all of his conclusions with things, he's he's a, a you know. He tries to approach things in a scholarly way, in a serious way, and presents very well and all that. Uh, you know, just gets a polite golf clap at the end of his uh of his speech and then, you know, we go the next night and and sit in against our better judgment during a Stephen Greer presentation, who gets a standing ovation with tears running down down the eyes of the doe eyed believers in the audience. That'll poison you against that kind of thinking that uh, you know that that that. Uh, I mean, I like yeah. to give people credit too, but unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be going in a real constructive way lately. It kind of seems to be, like you said earlier, Greg. It, you know, you'll pay for your answer, and uh, and sometimes it'll cost you eight hundred bucks to sit underneath the stars with a flashlight. Um, so uh, that's that's the problem. I no, well, you know it.
2: what? It's a free country and tough shit. If you're paying that much, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: true. Do, I, mean, I-, I mean, you got bigger. I mean, you got bigger issues if that's what you're going to do with it. But uh... you know, <laughs> I, 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 you know what? If
2: if I go and speak somewhere, and you know, I'll have to admit that the about half the reason or more that I go to these things is because, um, one, I somebody may find out something about that they didn't know, and I may. And two, I get to hang out with people that I I like and respect and are friends with, and I, I get to see them maybe once every couple of years. Right. That that's the main reason I enjoy these things it's just the simple interaction. Mm-hmm. But secondarily, you know, there might be one person sitting somewhere in the audience who's who's tears who's got tears streaming down their face for Stephen Greer, and then I or or, or you know Rich Dolan or or I'm trying to think of somebody else, um, somebody who's done you know. Reasonable, sober research, whatever their belief system, makes that person with tears streaming down their face stop for a second and say, "Hmm, I never thought about that."
1: Oh well, yeah, that makes it work. That might
2: that might happen once every you know three hundred times you give a talk or something like that. (laughs) And well, maybe maybe more than that, but. You know, just to get somebody thinking a little different way, even though they don't agree with you, might set them on a path where they, uh, you know, ten years from now, break everything open and make everybody go, "Holy shit! Why didn't we think of that?"
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the plus side. I I mean, mean, you know, it's
2: not going to—I don't know if it's going to come from me, but if the—if you keep stirring the pot, eventually, you know, something—something might happen, and that'd be great.
0: You said that you were. Into uh, things other than what we have talked about. What else are you? What's on your plate now? What are you working on? What are you? What are you interested
2: in? Um, I'm helping write an instructional manual for powered paragliding. <laughs>
1: wow! <laughs> I've got to have that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one for free flight paragliding, one for uh, powered paragliding, and one for hang glider uh, powered hang glider flying. Hmm. Um. I also uh, have put a few book proposals out, some of them which have some of which have nothing to do with uFOs which i'm not going to talk about because it's going to make me not do anything about them um, <laughs> have nothing to do with secrecy or anything like that it's just that it's it's this it's this psychological idea that if you talk about something it makes you less likely to do it right um, and I have other interests too i mean i read i read the hist i Voraciously read books on the history of the Southwest. I'm reading one one right now called Death Valley in '49 about these these pioneers that came out to the gold rush and how they almost died and how they were eating their oxen and you know starving and few of them died on the way and it's just like you read it and you you think God people today are such pussies.
1: Oh, absolutely,
2: <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of them, not not everybody, but yeah. No.
1: Yeah. I read yeah.
2: that and I go, god, I am such a pussy. I couldn't do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I need my Xbox.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> I like yeah. going out and camping and hiking and and roughing it and you know, I, sometimes I go out hiking by myself and a couple times I've gotten lost and almost screwed myself into a real bad situation, but I found my way out of it and it's, just, you know, once in a while you got to challenge yourself. But these people, my god. <laughs> yeah. we are down to two oxen now they are they are skin and bones. We just killed our last oxen now we are now we are boiling its hide for
1: soup <laughs> yeah. yeah John's dog is looking pretty good at this point yeah. Yeah, exactly
2: <laughs> yeah uh, caught a crow have not eaten for three days. now I yeah. understand what eating crow means. It tasted horrible
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: That yeah. kind of stuff. So you yeah. know that that fascinates me too. Apart from the the paranormal and the UFO stuff and the ghost stuff and the all that. I mean, it, mm. it's, there's so many cool things to to know about. And the UFO thing in, informs a great deal of my thought, but not all of it.
0: What uh, What would you? Where would you like people to go to learn about your UFO thought?
2: Uh, probably the best place is ufo because that's where, uh, which is down right now. Did you know that? Right after I put up my Dulcie story, dun. like that night, the site went down. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. So, yeah. On on one <laughs> side I can say they didn't like what I wrote. And then I got in touch with the um person running the site and they said, Well, we had a credit card uh, number on file and they said that it expired, so they took the site down so they're gonna fix oh, it. <laughs> so you know is that true did somebody uh, did somebody who didn't like what I said um, uh, expire the credit card for us I you know I don't know it's probably most likely <laughs> the credit card expired and it just happened to be timed when I did this PelLC report um, so yeah UFO mystic.com which is um, also uh, Nick probably does more writing than I do Nick Redfern on that site because um, I've slowed down in the last couple months um, but we've been doing it since December of 2007 Six, uh, posting pretty much every day for that entire time. Either one of us or both of us. Um, there's excludedmiddle.com, which is uh, basically where my my old magazine is held in suspended animation on the internet. Um, uh, yeah, Project Beta, which we mentioned, is the uh, which came out in 2005. Uh, that's on Amazon still. Uh, Weird California, which I wrote about, I don't know, seventy percent of is uh, also available on amazon it's just it, it's a uh, guidebook to weird things in california like um... i talk i wrote about the integratron and abandoned hospitals and uh... haunted houses and all that it's that kind of book and then of course the the collection of excluded middle all in one book all the best stuff is called wake up down there and um... that's available on uh... from amazon and other places online too
0: very good Greg Bishop, thank you very, very much for hanging
2: out with us. Yep, Sure. Great questions, and I get to say things that I don't normally get to say, and that's always fun. That's cool. Hey, could you say
0: that again, and we'll use it as a a PR tactic? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Hi, my name's Greg Bishop, and you're listening to Paratopia, where I just got asked questions that I never get asked and got to talk about things that I never get to talk about.
1: Research and investigation into the enigmatic. Eerie Radio is a weekly podcast that features interviews with the world's leading paranormal researchers. Download episodes of Eerie Radio from your favorite podcaster
0: or directly from the show website at www.eerieradio.com.
1: Eerie Radio. Listen. Learn. Laugh.
0: So Jeffy, what did you uh, what did you make of the Greg Bishop?
1: I like Greg Bishop. I think Greg Bishop and I have uh have quite a bit in common with our thoughts uh, on this whole thing, and uh, uh I Greg's got his his fingers in a lot of pie, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of different pies, and uh, uh seems like a really well read guy, and uh, you know, again, we want to thank him for coming on with us because, uh, you know, we're losers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> speak for yourself pilgrim
1: i know uh no i i think that um uh i i think greg's absolutely right when he talks about uh dr rick strassman's book uh, I, I do think that that is probably something that every experiencer or those interested in the phenomena in general should read because i think there's uh, some some damn interesting stuff in that dmt research that i think uh I, I'm not sure how or why or, or the what's of all this yet, but I think that there is some kind of connection with that. Um, again, keeping it well in the framework for me of being something external and not internal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we're going to be a while trying to fight through that, quote-unquote, hallucinogenic issue there. Um uh, and it all comes down to me again as to you know what, what how do you define reality how do you you know if you experience it then it's real right <laughs> I mean well, here, let me, to, to you let you me know. throw
0: an idea out to you yeah. uh, the other night I called you up because I couldn't sleep and i and my room was thick with you know energy <laughs> or whatever <laughs> with this crap that I normally Project outward, or see in in the space in front of me x. after x amount of time uh, meditating. while well, it was just there, and it's it's palpable in in the sense that I can manipulate it with my hand. I can like make little swirly patterns in mm-hmm. in front of me, and I don't know that this is anything anyone else would see if they were there. And I described this to you, right. and you said it sounded like a hypnopompic or hypnagogic state, one of those. Right, and um, it didn't. That didn't really make sense to me because while I was awake. <laughs> was Well, yeah, that's, that's the
1: defining moment right there.
0: But um, but also because I recognize this from the meditation stuff. Mm-hmm. So, okay, there's part one. Part two is, if you remember, uh, if anyone goes on YouTube and you put in veiny, V-A-E-N-I, and the letters E-E-G, you will see a completely embarrassing uh, video of me letting this meditation energy do its thing dancing around the room, what's really important is what's on the computer screen, what the EEG is reading, right. and essentially it's showing that I am in uh, deep, deep sleep, I think that's delta, the delta state, uh, while clearly wide awake eyes open and all that. So that would mean that I am asleep all awake, right? So it is possible that that's a hypnopopic or, hypnagogic, whatever the hell the word is, Um right. Thing that I'm accessing while fully awake. Uh, so then I got to thinking, I got to playing around with it the other night. I meditated and I played around with it. And, and I came to a little realization, which is that when I imagine, um, my imagination is in my head. Like I can see the image that I'm imagining in my head. It's not projected out in front of my eyes like all of this stuff is. Mm-hmm. And then I got to thinking there are stories, and who knows if they're true or not. Maybe it's just parlor tricks, but of gurus in India um, who were so enlightened that they could, um, manifest things mm-hmm. in their hands. You know, they could just sort of <laughs> take from the ethereal and, and make real. And I thought, huh, maybe, maybe there's a trick. Maybe there is something to, if, if while you're projecting this stuff out in front of you, if you can imagine something and imagine it in that stuff, if that's what would not manifest this, you know... Yeah,
1: I was just going to say, I wonder what would happen if you would just looked at the material, whatever it would have been, and, and try to, like, picture or, or or try to see a face in it, you know, would the face then kind of... I'm not going to say materialize in reality. I, I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, can you form this, you know, with your mind if it is in yeah, your mind? So but something. I couldn't
0: do it. What I did was I tried to, like... Well, I was trying to create something. I was trying to pull it out, like Freddy Krueger, you know, pulling out Freddy Krueger's hat from the dream, you know? Right. Uh, So I imagined a basketball. Maybe that was a little too lofty. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I couldn't... The point is I couldn't actually... You know, maybe with doing it with repetition, I could. But I Mm. couldn't imagine something in front of my eyes. I could only have my imagination in my head. So I couldn't Mm. actually break that barrier. But... As I, you know, know, neither here nor there, as I was trying to imagine this basketball, what I did see out in front of me in this ether was a triangle with an eyeball in the center of it. Like from, from, you know, if the tip of it was pointing away from me, then the eyeball would be, uh, you know, the entire width of it in Mm. the center of this triangle. So whatever the hell that means, I don't know. But just throwing that out there because it was interesting, but I wonder if with training, if that's possible, or am I just going off the deep end in imagining what is possible? Uh, But it just gets back to your your thinking that if you you can somehow pull this out and it'll fall on the carpet, you know? And I'm wondering if maybe I'm not... you know, Maybe it's possible to discover what exactly that mechanism is and train it to pull something out and have it land on the carpet. I don't know.
1: Well... Um... I mean, I guess the real, the real test for that is to, uh, and I would do this. I would, um, I would set a camera up and, uh, see about getting a, um, an infrared filter, um, hook it up, sit it on the floor, do your thing and see if you see this stuff and, and then, uh. Uh, you know, just do what you were doing, which was to mess with it with your hands and see if anything at all I mean it doesn't have to look exactly like like what you see in your in your vision of this stuff, but see if you get anything onto a recording at all i mean that would be that would be to me the first thing to do is to try to almost qualify where this stuff is or what it what it is, and then I try different filters. I mean, you go to a camera shop, they can give you all sorts of different filters that you can try out and, um, and see if there's any way to visually see this thing from, you know, a second perspective or if someone's, you know, if someone's there.
0: Um, How expensive are filters?
1: You know, it's been so many years since I, I got a set in the closet and it's been so many years since I bought them and half of them the company bought that I worked for and they gave them to me when I left. So I honestly don't know, but... Um, I would definitely try the infrared, and I would try night vision to see if that does anything.
0: Well, wait, you have filters in your closet? Can I just borrow? I have,
1: yeah, you can borrow mine if they'll fit your your cam. I'm not sure if they will or not. Um, but uh, you know, th- there's all sorts of different filters. I mean, the, what I think back to is, um, in Gettysburg, I recently saw a special on the Gettysburg Ghost thing, and and on there, you know, surprisingly enough, from what I have seen, and I've been to Gettysburg multiple and multiples times, it's, it's an hour, a little over an hour from me. Um, when you look at some of the visual data that's captured in Gettysburg, there's the, the, the manifestative quality of some of these things is less than what you would hope to see. You would hope to see, you know, half of a person or a uh, an arm or, a, you know, the back of a soldier or something like that. Uh, m- more recently, there was a uh, a family on a... I think it was in Triangle Field, and they were shooting towards the woods. And I think I showed it to you that these soldiers seemed to be walking in the woods, but they were off the ground. Right. Um, that's That, to me, was, you know, the benchmark for that kind of stuff. But there was a guy there who... Sets up a camera, and he's got different filters that he shoots through. In other words, he'll shoot one with a particular filter on it, and then he'll leave the camera where it sits, remove that filter, put another filter on, and shoot again. Uh, and he does this with three or four different filters. Then he assembles those pictures as if they were, you know, a CMYK setup or an RGB setup, where you, you know, you overlay each one of those. And as he does that, he's getting very defined very interesting photographs using this method I mean we're talking about seeing a a man's shoulder with a hat that's clearly like a slouch hat type of thing uh, another one uh, showed two people you know one on top of the devil's triangle rock formation and one down on the ground and they were clearly in you know civil war period dress uh... but s- slightly blurry on the bottom half of them some of them slightly blurry on the top um, Almost as if something was moving as he was removing and putting on a new filter and shooting again. So I'd give that a shot to see what you could do with filters that might be able to see something that is not readily visible to or would be res- readily visible to a, a witness who may be right there in the room with you. I mean, some way or another, this stuff has got to be has got to be uh, captured on film because that's what's going to. Uh, make people sit up and take attention to this kind of thing, because um, I think the vast amount of people would say, you know, Jeremy, yeah, that's interesting and all, but likely it was all in your head. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: There are are a couple of options for why you wouldn't be able to capture it on film. One is that it's all in my head. The other is that... um, you know that whatever this is in your 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 mind <laughs> you know when it expands that way that you are actually seeing more of what's in the room but if if we had the filters that were able to capture that they'd already be capturing that on their own without me involved you know what i mean like there would just be filters that could capture more
1: so <clears throat> in other words you're saying that this can stu- th- this material whatever it is is always there is what you're saying
0: um i don't know that it is i'm saying I'm, I'm saying that that, I can see another, I'm saying that, well, what am I saying? I mean, if it's all in my head, you're not going to capture it with a camera, right? If it's me projecting something outward, maybe you could capture that with a camera. Right. If, if it's something that's already in the room that I'm a, that I'm opened up to perceiving, mm-hmm. um, then those filters would already have captured that, because you don't need me or anybody else to be open to perceive it, it's just... Right, right. It's right. just there beyond the eyes, you know.
1: Right, right. Well, that, I mean, that's the ultimate question. I mean, to you, what was this? And I don't think you told me, but I'm I'm gonna make a a guess in in the way of this. Um, the color of this material was it kind of like a rusty red color?
0: Um, a rusty red. No, it's mostly um, no, it's mostly blacks and whites. I mean, mostly it looks oh, like like okay. the thing that I was playing with. I mean, it almost looked like like a, sort of a, I don't know, vacuum tube of tiny dots of light or something, you know. Oh. Um, and then there are these flashes. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it's hard to say. And then it looks like, like my hand will look completely black, and it'll look like, and I don't know that this is the case, I'm saying it's what it appears like, are like dots of light, like beads of light will either come off of my hand, or maybe it's just moving in front of it, and because it's a black surface it looks like that, I don't know, but... There are like several things going on, but they're all blacks and whites.
1: Blacks and whites. See what I remember, and there have been times in adulthood that I that I have seen this, like you know, in a dark room. Um, you know, if you happen to stare at the right spot for long enough, you start to see, like you mentioned, something about like lighter colored particles that seem to be floating around and and. Um, I remember it especially strong when I was a kid because I remember that it used to kind of scare me a little bit. Um, these things that looked like clouds, but they were made of like a a brownish and then, like you say, black and white, real fine dots that seemed to be like cloud-like, but they would they would appear to be. Uh, floating around the room and then would come it would seem to me or or it felt like to me that they came right up into your face and kind of did this amorphous type you know blobish looking thing um like churning almost but if you looked at the light they completely disappeared for the most part there was maybe a, a touch of a um like, 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 like an onion skin tracing left of it, and then you would look back in the dark, and you could see it again pretty clearly. And uh, I remember as a kid, I'd see these all around the darkened room at night. Um, so that's why I asked you if they were that rusty color. And I don't, I don't know what that is. And I've, uh, I've talked to a couple of people. Uh, well, namely, the last time I went to the eye doctor, I asked her about it. And I said, "You ever hear anything like this? Like, what do you? Is that some kind of?" You know, um, some some kind of you know ocular um, thing that you have when you're you're a kid, but I have seen it since I'm an adult. Does that have to do with my stigmatism, or what? What is that? And She says I don't have any idea what would make you see something like that. Is
0: the rusty color the background pattern? Yes. The background color. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're
1: talking about. It's okay. like it's made up of that, but there are yeah. the particles are so fine they look like it looks like sand. Uh-huh. But it's but it's light particles, not white, but lighter, and then definitely dark ones. Huh? And, and they're made up of that.
0: And that's not uh that's I not used to, just leftover and, light on your retina or something like that.
1: Um, uh, not that I know of, because I remember. Uh, well, in particular, I remember. Well, when we were at the condo, we had the lights go out. It was a thunderstorm.
0: And it seems like and, an obvious thing that the the doctor would have told you if it were. You
1: know, I would think. Um, you know, but as a kid, I used to call them flying poo, because uh, <laughs> that's just what it reminded me of. You know, as a kid, but they they look like uh, clouds, but they're blobby and amorphous type things. And uh, um, and I don't. That's why I asked you if it was that color, because that seemed kind of you know like that same kind of. Uh, you know like when we had Deb Cobble on, she was talking about focusing on the space between the wall and your face,
0: right.
1: uh, seeing that that makeup of those particles start to vibrate and boil around a little bit and um, you know and, and and I'll tell you something Reagan Lee sent us a a painting that she had done, excuse me, which to me looks very much like those those cloud type things they have that bulbous look to them mm-hmm. Like her, like her painting did, and, um, I just, I don't know, I find all that pretty fascinating, no matter what it is, mm-hmm. uh, because it's certainly, I mean, in the dark, sitting there looking into blackness, and you have this thing fly up to you, it looks so real, I mean, it looks, it's somewhat ethereal, but it looks very, very, like you could touch it, um, and I never, I never <laughs> stuck out my finger to see if I could, but I just always assumed that that was some trick of the eye, um. And and it, you know, most likely for me it, it might be, but uh, nobody seems to be able to tell me what that is. I'd be very curious to know if any of the listeners know. I'd super. I'd be super interested to know.
0: Super duper.
1: Super duper. Yeah. So that's it. You bore me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's all you got, huh? <laughs> uh. Well. Um. Greg Bishop was good, wasn't he?
1: Goddamn! Yeah. I. I mean, that was really. Uh, I think that was one of our better interviews to be honest with you i think uh yeah um, i like
0: that he's just so matter of fact and no nonsense
1: yeah absolutely absolutely there's 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 nothing that uh you know he's another one of those guys that you know if he uh if he finds something out he's gonna talk about it and he's not one of those close to the cuff people he he's wide open you can ask him anything and
0: uh he always i always feel like he's mad at me, you know <laughs> he says is abrasive, even even when he's like, "Thanks for having me on. I'd love to do it
1: again." I don't get that at all. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sorry,
0: what I do?
1: No, I uh, uh, I was I was pretty glad to hear that he was uh in, into the uh, the DMT psilocybin thing. That's uh, I think that again, I think that's something everybody in this field should t- at least take a a definite look at.
0: Yeah, well, and, I mean, the thing that's impressive to me about uh, Greg is that he, like we discussed, you know, he wrote the book on, on, um, on Moore and, and uh, Benowitz and Doty, and, um, you know, th- I mean, that really typifies the, the mythological uh, disinformation ETH garbage right. that has polluted this field. You know, he's friends with Moore. He has talked to these people. He knows these people right. and he is not sucked into that at all. He goes right. the the absolute opposite way. And that to me is impressive, you know.
1: I um, mean it's just because like,
0: it's... someone who writes a book like that will then make a cottage industry out of writing follow up books on, <laughs> you know, and then they'll become like, you know, Cooper, essentially. They'll become
1: exactly. Bill Cooper. Yeah. Well, I mean it's just like Jacques Villet says, you know, it, it's uh uh it's a it's a hypothesis, it's a theory, but the problem is, is that the data doesn't fit the theory <laughs> of the ATh. So, uh, so, I mean, it it is high time to kind of put that aside and start looking in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, I mean, what, what more do you say about that? It's it's uh, it it doesn't fit the plan. It doesn't it doesn't seem to fall into that mold of you know the things that uh, that Norio was talking about with the base and aliens and you know. Nightmare Alley, or whatever the frick it's called, uh, you know, boiling body parts and all of this kind of stuff. It's like, I mean, what is that all about? That that doesn't feel like anything. Um, <laughs> it doesn't feel like anything, but but uh, a disinformation campaign to keep people away from the area. <laughs> you yeah. know, it certainly doesn't fit the common pattern of uh, uh, anything of a paranormal, you know, direction.
2: Mm-hmm. So.
1: Um, you know, I I I think it's interesting that he does think that there's something interesting about the area, but certainly not you know a base with aliens and all of that. He said that there probably is a base there, um, or he thinks that there might be. Um, and if so, you know, I I mean, for me, who I don't care what they're doing, I don't want to know. But I think that's probably where all of this alien human, you know joint stuff and and then the war with the aliens and the shootout and the dead scientists and all that's, I bet you that was all born out of somebody's, you know, uh, think tank to this is the best way to keep people away. And like he said, get the nutcases talking about this and nobody will ever pay attention to it.
0: Right. So there you go. And I hope someone follows up on my uh, suggestion about some link between insurance and cattle mutilations because the more I think about it, when I first said it, I was thinking in terms of, well, gee, maybe the government or military, whoever, corporation, is stealing these cattle, if it's true. Uh, Maybe they return them to be nice because maybe if cattle run away, you don't get insurance, but if they drop them there, you do. Then I was thinking, no, actually, you know what would make more sense is if, if predators eating it or whatever, if 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 that's actually something that isn't covered, uh, but running away is, what they would not want to do is have insurance companies constantly coming out to these these ranches and sniffing around this right. stuff. Uh, so it would be the opposite. It would be whatever you know insurance uh, doesn't cover would be the thing that they would do. So if they don't cover you know dead cattle, well right. here's your calf back.
1: <laughs> well I mean to me again it's, it's we're talking about I mean allegedly some kind of government agency they can buy their own damn cows and I got to thinking about I think I mentioned on the, the uh, Norio show that, that we did with him that you know they could buy their own cows but maybe it had to be something that, that had to be done to these cattle then to then release them and, and let them these bodies be around the cows that are already there but again, if you're going to expose cattle to something that may protect them, uh, protect them from some kind of bad mojo or whatever, uh, disease or uh, something like that, uh, why? I mean, again, they can buy their own damn cows. And if you're going to try and intermingle some kind of vaccine without anyone knowing it in a clandestine way, aren't you going to... Wouldn't the cattle rancher end up with one more cow rather than a dead one?
0: Well, isn't isn't the thinking behind it that there might be something in the environment that uh, that you couldn't have control cattle for that they would be useless for, and that's why you would go out into the cattle population to test them
1: Then buy one?
0: Yeah, <laughs> buy one. Yeah, well, you know, the- buy a,
1: buy a cow. Go up to the rancher. We're from the U.S. government. We're here. We're you know we're. Uh, doing some research into, you know, bovine immunity or or whatever. We'd like to buy one of your cattle. Name your price, please. End of story. Mm -hmm. Why all this black helicopter, drop them out of that and, you know, cut the ass out of them and, you know, rip the tongue out and all of this really bizarre stuff? For what? Buy your own damn cows or buy them from the populace that's there instead of... I
0: mean, we already know. Isn't it Plum Island? Isn't that the place right off of Jersey that... Where they have cattle and sheep and that sort of stuff for uh, disease testing.
1: Yeah, I have no idea.
0: Um, because when that when that um when that creature, or it ends up being like a pit bull or something, but it thought it was on- yeah, washed up on the shore, and everybody was blaming that secret testing lab. You know? Right. It's like well, so we know that that
1: exists. It's a monster from Montauk.
0: Yeah, the Montauk monster. That's right. <laughs> Turns out it's a dog, but what are you gonna do? So, but the point is, uh, yeah. So we know that they do, in fact, have secret testing areas where they mm-hmm. um, admit, you know, it's not a big secret what they're doing out there. They've they've tried to be open about it, especially since the Montauk thing. To say we don't deal in domestic pets, we have other animals here,
1: right? Um, so I don't uh, know that whole thing. Uh, would they just doesn't need to make do any anything sense. with cattle, right? Sorry. It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I just. Um... <sighs> Again, if anybody's got an idea, <laughs> I'd love to hear it. I mean, I've heard everything from government testing to aliens to to satanic uh well-funded satanic cults. So, um well, uh, I do I do remember. C-
0: could it be that, that the cows know how to fly helicopters and they just like to get away at
1: night? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I interrupted you for that, by the way. I, I know. Uh <laughs> I uh, I do remember uh, a guy named Ted Oliphant uh, many years ago on an episode of Sightings, back when I was hosting chats for them on AOL. Um, they had a cattle mutilation episode, and they said that there was a white material that was found near one of these mutilated cows. And the makeup of this white material was very very similar, I suppose, to... A styptic pencil, which is what you use when you cut yourself shaving, and it stops bleeding. Uh, I think at that point is when they said something about, uh, could that be the reason that uh, these cows don't have any blood on them? Because they're, I mean, you talk about horribly mangled, and uh, and I used to work on a milking farm, so trust me, they bleed a lot, really bad. Um, and uh, there was there's never any blood on these things. Uh, so, I find all that weird, and then, you know, when someone says they see a black helicopter taking off with the, the cow, and then sometime during the night that cow is dropped because its legs are broken when they go to see it, um, so obviously it's been dropped, or uh, I think on on one particular show that I saw, they said that these wounds that had been inflicted on this cow were done while it was still alive, so... <laughs> Why wouldn't the government just buy their own cows or buy them from the ranchers? Why the clandestine stuff? Why the black helicopters? Why all that secretive stuff? I don't get that. And they're bringing back something dead. It's not like they're releasing a live cow mm-hmm. into this field that's going to intermingle and probably get butchered or milked and then you know, out to the public with something good or bad in it. It just doesn't... It, that doesn't add up to me. I just don't get that. So... What that's all about, I have no idea. I definitely don't believe it has anything to do with aliens. So, right. um, you know.
0: It's all about feeding Cheney.
1: Right! <laughs> we
0: went political.
1: Right. Let's not go there ever, ever again.
0: And now you bore me.
1: H- Hello. Hello.
0: <laughs> hey, Greg Bishop, huh? How is he? Hey,
1: great show, Jer. <laughs> Excellent. Let's wrap this up before we have heart attacks.
0: All right. So, in 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 conclusion, Greg Bishop, great, great guest,
1: yeah, not uh, just good, great,
0: great. Milk, we got
1: gotta have him back. Yeah, milk, good.
0: We will we'll have him back.
1: Dead cow with infestations, bad.
0: Bad, uh, Louisiana,
1: good. <laughs> Hello, New Orleans. Woo.
0: Wow, you know what's going to be fun is when we go and do, like, remotes from New Orleans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't tempt me. Uh, I, gu- I guess we should mention uh, the website, www.paratopia.net. Right. Check it out. we got a great message board, great people, great listeners. Speak your mind. Um, I think that's it.
0: Uh, all right. Maybe I'll think of something witty later and tag it on, but probably um, the odds are uh, not.
2: <laughs> not.